Hey everyone, this is D, and I just finished editing this episode about 15 minutes ago. I know it's been a minute since you've heard from Caster or I, but it's been for some good reasons. One, we've both been super focused on school and work. It's hard to find editing and recording time between those things. Alongside that, though, were just things that happen in life. I began booking some photography gigs for this May, Caster and I planned our next trip to see one another, and work has been super eventful for us both. Some of these things helped me get this episode out, though. That thing being that I tested positive for the Rona. I'm safe and asymptomatic. I'm also in quarantine until the end of April. It has given me the time I needed to finish this episode up, Castor and I are super excited about this episode because we love this movie, but that excitement led to a long recording process that took place over two different days and that ended up being over two and a half hours that I cut down to being about an hour and 40 minutes. I hope you'll forgive us and enjoy this episode, and we'll be back with more soon. Ready? Three, two, one, now. Hey guys, gals, and non-binary pals, welcome to Pop Ticket. I'm Dee. I'm Caster. We like movies. And we love each other. This week, we are talking about The Birdcage. In this film, Robin Williams plays a successful gay man who is the owner of a drag club in South Beach, Florida, where his life partner, Albert, performs as the dazzling Starina. When their son, Val, comes home from college for winter break, he announces that he is engaged to be married to a young woman from school. There is one small, tiny problem. Well, not tiny. (laughs) You see, the problem is, is that the young woman that Val wishes to marry is the daughter of Senator Keeley, a conservative senator from Ohio that is the leader of the Coalition of Moral Order, a coalition that wants to return to traditional American family values. You know, the ones praying in school, heterosexual marriage only, banning abortion... Dying while having sex with hookers. Well, that last one is a work in progress, but it is exactly what Senator Keeley's co-founder and fellow senator does. His death sends Senator Keeley's reputation down the drain, too. Keeley, hoping to save his reputation on the back of his daughter's great white wedding, seems like a good idea. As long as the Goldman family, or is it Coleman? It is pronounced Coleman, isn't it? We've had some confusion. Is white, straight, Christian, conservative, and on the Republican up and up. The only thing that could go wrong is if they were actually a family of gay Jewish men living above a drag club, which they own, that regularly features the Kennedys with their undocumented butler, but that would just be preposterous and would ruin the reputation of Senator Keeley forever, right? The Birdcage is a comedy from 1996, written and directed by comedy duo of the 1950s and 60s, Elaine May and Mike Nichols, respectively. The Birdcage was based on the 1978 French film La Cage à Folle, which was based on the 1973 musical of the same name. This film features Robin Williams and Nathan Lane, both of whom were previously famous voice actors for Disney movies before this movie came out. With a significant $31 million budget and a star-studded cast, The Birdcage is a fun, dramatic comedy with a touching but ultimately frustrating story. 
When it premiered, it grossed $18 million opening weekend, which became a long-standing record for a movie that featured an openly gay main character. It gives audiences a little bit of everything and is definitely worth a watch simply based on how hilarious it is. So, of course, we have to spend time talking about one of the main actors of this movie, the iconic Robin Williams. Williams was actually not the first choice to play Armand. That role was originally set aside for Steve Martin, but because of scheduling conflicts, Martin had to withdraw from the part. And when director Mike Nichols was casting for The Birdcage, Williams was offered the part of Albert instead, but because Williams had starred in the 1993 film Mrs. Doubtfire, he decided that he would have rather played Armand, who was a less flamboyant character for fear of being typecast. Robin Williams does amazing in this movie, but I will say that Armand as a character is kind of a dickhead, but it's in a charming way. Like, the people that he works with knows that he loves him, but you gotta respect the whole thing because Robin Williams is a comedy genius in every scene of this film. Him and Nathan Lane could have really done, like, a series of films, not just as these two characters, but as kind of an odd couple type of thing. And I think that Hollywood would have loved it. I mean, I disagree that Armand is kind of a dick. I think that, like, I think he's just kind of sarcastic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I like that. I it's it's a role that like I mean we've seen Robin Williams in roles that are either really serious with like a touch of comedy or just like com straight up comedy. But it's like this one, mm-hmm. it's just kind of like he was kind of sassy more than anything else. Yeah, I no. would say. I love this movie, and I love Armand as a character. I mm-hmm. give him a lot of props for the way that he handles this movie. But I do think that, especially the way he treats Agador, I th- and I think that it's in in good faith. I think that he loves Agador and Agador knows that. But at the same time, I think that um I think that it just like kind of in today's political climate like talking to somebody who works for you that way yeah is just kind of eh to me. Uh, I mean, okay, yeah. Like, you know, yeah, especially with some scenes of like Agador and stuff, but a scene that could really attest to how much of a genius Robin Williams is is that during the scene where Armand is arguing with Agador and Val in the kitchen, uh, like during the dinner scenes, uh, Williams falling down with the pot in his hand was completely unscripted. And the three actors are trying super hard not to break during that scene. And it's something that you can see in the yeah, movie. No. Like, I'm pretty sure Hank Azaria does break. Cause you see him in the back. Like, like, and like, even, even Williams, when he says like, just go, just go. Like when that point, he's like, just go, just go. Like he kind of, he does kind of break a yeah. little bit. And I mean, and during that scene, I just want to point out that because I was editing the trailer, mm-hmm. I know, I noticed that Val's drinking in that scene. Like him and Robin yeah. Williams are drinking, which is probably why he partially why he falls. Cause they're just, so overwhelmed and they're just trying to get through this dinner that night but looking at val's face he has an o face on like he's moaning to himself i was like i was looking at that scene and i was like this is kind of weird i don't think you was watching the birdcage baby i think you were watching something else so i want to move on to talk about uh nathan lane and his character of albert Um, This was actually Nathan Lane's second big role on the big screen, the first one being the voice of Timon from The Lion King, of course. Uh, He used to actually joke with Williams about some of their success being from Disney films, as, of course, you know, Robin Williams was the voice of Genie in Aladdin, as, like, everybody knows. But, yeah, and, like, Albert is a drama queen, but a complete sweetheart. 
and they really care about the people that they love. I do want to say that during this movie, there's going to be a bending of some pronouns um, that like we do as we talk about the movie and that the movie does itself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very nice to see because there are a lot of drag queens and probably people who modernly would identify as trans or genderqueer mm-hmm. or gender fluid. Um, but when referring to Albert out of drag, we'll use he, him pronouns. And when Albert becomes Starina or dresses as Val's mother, we will use she, her, or they, them pronouns. I also want to say that Castor is about as dramatic as Albert in every scene. Wow. Um, okay. Especially the scene that, like, we meet Albert, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. he's taking mm-hmm. his Purin tablets. The, the fucking Purin <laughs> What the hell are Purin tablets? He's aspiring with the A and the S scraped off. My God, what a brilliant idea. I know. Bro, that is so fucking funny. I love that line so much. No, but the amount of changes that Albert has gone through in this movie, especially when we see him in the dressing room and then when we see Starina the first time on stage as this beautiful, you know, performer is wild. Like, I've done some mild drag and I've seen drag queens at um, Pride and stuff, but it's always just, like, so amazing to see the transformation that really goes into that art and craft and performance. Um, and I, I just personally love Albert and love how much Albert loves Val in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's just so... It's so nice to see, like, men loving each other, not in, like, a romantic way. It's, it's something that I think can be a really valid um, lesson just for life, that, like, father figures, even if they aren't, like, masculine, can love their children. Mm-hmm. Throughout this movie, though, one of my favorite things about Albert is that he's like an aunt. He's super nosy, but will say shit like, I'm not going to say anything, but... (laughs) Especially, like, when Val is announcing his engagement. And I I personally don't think that Albert gets enough love in this movie, though. I think that Nathan Lane is less famous than Robin Williams, but he really is the driving force of this entire movie. Like, at one point in the movie, Albert says, I just wanted so much to help you, and you hate me. You both hate me. And at first watch, you may think that Albert is just being dramatic again, but, like, this line is actually really deep. Literally all Albert wants to do is help Val, because he's his literal parent. But Val is treating him like such an inconvenience that Albert must really believe that Val genuinely does not like his presence or is ashamed of him because they're gay. It's honestly really sad and something that I would imagine a lot of gay parents had or have to deal with at one point or another. And something that like even I'm kind of, you know, worried about with me being Mm non-binary and how like my children will react to that and have to, you know, like go through the process of having to explain to their friends and stuff. And it's definitely something that like I've thought about before. And, you know, having Mm -hmm. that insecurity that your child may resent you for being, you know, quote unquote different must be a terrible burden for somebody. And I'd like to think that Nathan Lane was tapping into his own experiences with being gay himself for this role. I think that there are other movies that kind of do this relationship Mm -hmm. better. Yeah, no, of Um, course. 
Because, I mean, yeah. this is a movie. You can't develop the characters in two hours the same way you can in five seasons. I think a good show that you and I have started, but that I've watched all the way through, is The Fosters, which <clears throat> is one of those um, freeform shows that, like, takes on every social justice <laughs> issue and puts it into a show, which I'm sure can get kind of exhausting to watch from time to time. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the most valuable parts of that show is that the main story is about a lesbian couple who adopts kids. Mm -hmm. And one of those women has a son who from a previous marriage. And seeing how they navigate the relationship of, oh, okay, you are my biological son, but this is also your mother, and your father is also your parent, and all of us are valid parents is something that I really loved about the show mm -hmm. as someone who has had step parents as somebody who has had, you know, my parents separated most of my life. I think that while sure you can understand why, you know, maybe why Val has some of that resentment. I also think that Val is a very loved person in yeah. this movie as a character. So and yeah, that's what I want to start off with Val. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, like, you know, another thing to kind of bounce off of that is that it's a bit different with, like, the example of, like, the Fosters and, you know, the example of just, like, both of us because, you know, my parents were separated, um, you know, pretty much my entire life, too. Um, it's different, though, because we knew our parents as, like, being together, like, at some point. You know what I mean? Like, uh, basically. I think you did. I did more I so did. than you, but I, I, I think that it's more, like, we we at least had a relationship with both of our parents. I should frame it like that. Yeah. It, but the thing is, is that Val was raised by Armand and by Albert. He had never yeah. even met his mother until... Well, we'll talk about his mother, too. But he had never even met his mother until the events of the film. He was completely raised as Armand and Albert as his parents. So the thing that gets, mm -hmm. to, that gets to me about, like, the way that he acts and the way that, like especially how he acts towards Albert, is that he didn't have a relationship with another, like, with his mother or another parent to conflict with, you know, kind of the boundaries and the relationship that was set up with Ar Armand and Albert. Yeah. That's the thing like, that gets to me. Like, there isn't that third yeah. parent thing. Yeah, and that's the thing where I'm like, okay, then what's your excuse, Val? <laughs> like, I understand, well, like, I understand yeah. the, and especially because of the time, you know? Like, he's, what, well, 20? Well, that's what I was going to say, yeah. is that, like, if he was a teenager in the early 90s, so, right yeah. after the AIDS pandemic, and yeah. or epidemic, excuse me, I would think that maybe a lot of the jokes that he probably heard from people of course. may have been a driving exactly. force in some um, implicit homophobia that he probably has. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, obviously you have to take in, like, historical context and just, like, where this movie, you know, was at the time. Um, but, mm -hmm. you know, at the same time, though, it's like, all of that aside, those are the people that raised you. And, yeah. you know, and so, like, I'm just based off, of, like, what we're saying right now, like, we have a lot to say about Val. <laughs> and, like, you know, like, most of this is not good. Dan Futterman, who played Al, did a good, oh, I'm sorry, who played Val. Who played who? <laughs> because there's Albert and there's Val. He did a good job with the role, I guess, you know, even though he was 27 at the time of filming, trying to pass himself off as a 20-year-old. And that was just, yeah, not working at all. But the character himself is honestly, he's just shitty. 
Like, he asks too much of his parents in this movie and seems to be ashamed of them, you know, as we just talked about. And it's awful, especially for a 20-year-old adult. Like, you're an adult. And, and, you know, we mentioned the historical context, and we understand that, especially with, you know, the AIDS epidemic and, you know, everything that was happening at that time. Um, things were different back then. But even so, after being raised for 20 years by two gay parents, you would think that he would have a slightly more open mind. Or not even, yeah. not even like, more open mind, but just slight, be slightly more accepting of his parents. Mm-hmm. And, like, his parents are kind of the shit. Imagine you grow up around just art everywhere and then becoming the most white bread man. Yeah, Like, literally, Val introduces himself, and I'm like, oh, is Armand fucking this, like, business student? (laughs) Like, that's what I think in this opening scene. And they definitely pose it that way on purpose. And you can tell that Val does love his parents, but that he probably, as a straight person, just feels like their mannerisms, their, the way mm-hmm. that they present themselves are just very different from him. But I do think that they do have great sets of dialogue in this movie with him, mm-hmm. especially some of the things that um, Armand has to say to Val later on in this movie. Yeah, and it's like, you can tell that, you know, Armand loves him, of course, because Armand is his biological father, and, you know, Val loves him too, but he's not completely accepting of his parents' sexuality, and he barely acknowledges the fact that Albert is his parent too. You know, Albert raised him since he was born. It is confirmed in the movie that that was the case. And he only acknowledges it at the end of the movie, but even then, it's like half-assed. The driving conflict of this movie is because Val's kind of a major dick because he had he asks his dad to be who this other family wants them to be to uh, I mean, I'm, we're assuming people have watched this movie if you haven't do. Yeah, please um, do. But like the Keeleys don't have to change to be a part of this union of Val and Barbara. I know that Barbara's family dynamic is different and it's all about reputation and this and that, but Val is giving so much in my opinion. If he loves her, he should be okay with who her father is and what he stands for. Sure, you can have differing opinions from your father-in-law, your mother-in-law, your parent-in-law, and if Barbara loves Val, she should be ready to stand up against her father respectfully and say that her life and his politics are mm-hmm. not dependent on each other. And I cannot imagine doing this myself to, like, say, your family, like, expecting your family to yeah. be something that it's not. The Keeleys are coming to escape also. They are going into Val's family's house, their town where they live, and Val is like, oh, I have to, you have to change for them. Or else, what, like, they're not going to let their daughter get married? Their daughter's an adult. Yeah. And And if your father, who is who, like, we are shown in this movie, if Barbara was pushed away from her family by her 
by her father and her mother. You think that Armand and Albert wouldn't love to take her in and make her part of their family? Yeah. Like, fuck the senator, honestly. Fuck that bitch. (laughs) Like, I can't stand him. (laughs) Honestly, I won't even lie to you. I kind of like him more than Barbara's mom, though. Like, I I really don't like her. She's definitely a little bit funnier. (laughs) She's the least likable person in this movie. Which um, has nothing to say about her, the actress who played her. I love that actress. Oh, no. That actress... (laughs) but every movie she's in she plays a similar character just it like little bits of her are tweaked and it always works it's perfect she's she's really good and what really gets to me too about val is that he is so willing to contact his mother in order to pull off this scheme like i've seen this movie a bunch of times now at this point but watching it for the purpose of the podcast and through an analytical lens i just can't help but become more and more pissed off at Val because of how unfair and selfish he's being. To put his parents in the situation is honestly terrible. And another thing, too, is that, like, after they were doing, like, changing their apartment and changing their clothes and coming up with, like, this weird convoluted story about the mom and everything, did they not think that this family wasn't going to find out about the fact that they're gay and own a drag club after they got married? Like, yeah. come on. Like, you can't hide that Especially forever. with all the press following them. Yeah, like, no. The press follows them from Ohio to Florida. Literally, the nor- from the north to the south of the country. Wait. Just to be like... You know what, baby? But the press were really enjoying, you know, the views of the trees... And the sky, and the roads, and the hills, and the mountains, <laughs> and the trees. <laughs> yeah, no, like, I'm sorry, you can't keep up that lie forever. Like, y- you're yeah. getting married. That is not something like, that... Like, I was kind of joking, like, you were joking about the press thing, but especially in 2020, like, this movie holds right? up politically from then to now, but in 2020... If they were even dating, somebody would see it and somebody's putting it on Twitter and then MSNBC's talking about it and then Fox News is talking about it. And now it's a thing and then Donald Trump would have tweeted or something. I don't know. Can you imagine if a Republican senator or politician, whatever, their daughter... Was caught in drag? Okay, first of all, yes. That would be amazing, first of all. Um, No, but like if their daughter was like... I mean, now I feel like now it wouldn't be as explosive as it would be in the 1990s. Oh, yeah, no. In the 90s, this would be like... It would be something that This Fox would be News like would a about, Kim though. Kardashian level of, like, scandal. I mean, especially if they caught them in drag. Like, that would just be insane. Especially, like, if this... If just the section of the... Like, what happens to the Keeleys actually happened... Mm-hmm. They're part of the moral order coalition or whatever the fuck that bullshit is. And then right the, after that, they find out that oh, yeah. <laughs> the daughter's marrying the son of two gay men. And they own a drag club and mm-hmm. he was caught wearing drag by the press. Dude. Those four things would cause biopics, no. e-news, oh, yes. TMZ, like, niggas would be, would be oh, wildin'. yeah. yeah. 100%. Halloween costumes. 
<laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Oh my God. I want to be Agador for Halloween. Absolutely not. If anything, I will be Agador for... Come on. I will... Are you kidding me? So you're going to wear a straight looking sh- crop top and mm-hmm. a thong and we're just going to hit the streets. Yes. I want to say that the only redeemable moment for Val is when he finally says that Albert is his mother and finally reveals the truth about everything to the Keeleys. But it's low-key too little too late for me. The only reason why he does this is because he was caught in the lie and has no other choice but to tell them the truth about everything. And I wish there was a better moment between him and Albert at the end too, which we'll talk about that more in a little bit, but I really wish that they had that closure. Yeah, I think my whole thing is we don't really get a gauge on how Val feels politically, which is kind of a hard thing. Because mm-hmm. I can sympathize with Val if, if there's just like a section in the story where Val like got in fights in high <clears throat> school because his dads were gay and kids made fun of him. And like, so as a defense of his own masculinity, he would get in fights. Or if like, he had to hold back his own opinions against the Keelys, but the whole movie, it's more about holding back his father and yeah. his fathers, and you know? Like, do you agree with Senator Keeley, dude? Like, yeah. you gotta make that a little clear to me. He says, like, you know, like, they're just, like, we're con- you, you know, he, like, makes up those excuses being, like, you know, they're just, like, conservatives, like, he's a really conservative person, you know? But it's, like, and, and he says it in a way that, like, you can kind of see that maybe he doesn't agree with him and he's just like, come on, we just gotta, you know, sort of a situation. But even Mm -hmm. so, still fucking shitty. Yeah. And also, I feel like adding in that backstory would have made the movie a little bit too serious, which is I don't think was the purpose of it and I don't think was the point. I don't think that they set out to, like, make a huge statement with this film. I think it was more about just how good overall of a story it is, because it is, and mm-hmm. how fucking hilarious they can make it with Nathan Lane and Robin Williams. I think that that was the main objective yeah. of it. But in in the process, though, it does make a statement, and it does have, like, a good, right. you know, like, message and core at it. And that's what makes it so special for me, is that the best movies are the ones who don't intentionally go out there being, like, this is the point we're trying to make. You know, it's the ones where they're mm-hmm. doing it genuinely because it's a good story and they're not trying right. so hard with it. And that's why I think that this movie works because of that, you know? And I think yeah. that if they added in too much backstory with Val, it would have made it too yeah. serious and in a way kind of ruined it. The only thing I can see adding, I think it would go really slapstick if you did add this part about Val and had him like lose his cool for a second swing at senator keely accidentally punched his mother in the face or like punch robin williams in the face and then have them like try to recover and be like no no everything's fine first of all it would have been too much and yeah that would have been too but it it would have been been, i that's something that would make me laugh just because i'm a fucking idiot but yeah we have to talk about the best character in this movie yes we've mentioned him a little bit but Agador is probably my favorite character of this film. Hank Azaria did a great job with um, the character. I mean, although Azaria is not actually Latino and the Hispanic... Or gay. Or gay, yeah. I mean, well, and that's the thing. Robin Williams and uh, Hank Azaria, 
neither of them are gay. Um, Nathan Lane is the only gay one in this movie, other than I believe probably the drag queen extras. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I want to say that the Hispanic stereotype is a bit much in this, um, but he's fucking hilarious and I love him and I aspire yeah, to be him. Of course, <laughs> yeah. And I think that like Hank Azaria in his time since this movie has acknowledged the birdcage as, hey, like this is something that I did that probably wouldn't work today. But I also don't want to defend this, but I also want to say that I do enjoy the movie. I think it still is funny because he's talked about it. Has he? You know? Have you seen some? Yeah. Seen no, I saw I, when I was looking for clips of the movie, I saw something that was like, yeah, this movie probably would have offended a lot of people today, but it's still like a good movie. But I understand. <laughs> I get it. You know, oh, okay. this movie for its time. The way that you said that made it almost sound like he was, like, ashamed of it or something. And, like, that would have made no, me really sad. I don't think sad. he's ashamed. I just think he understands that it would probably have been better to have gay actors. I mean, That's what I got to me, I, I agree. Like, obviously, you need representation in movies from people who, like, are actually gay, who are actually Yeah, disabled, we don't need any more you know? Eddie Redmaynes. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, I cannot imagine this movie with anybody else yeah. other than these actors. And that's the thing. I think that, that this like, is a movie that cannot get canceled because it does was it, quote, unquote, it does the messaging so well. Yeah, it, it does. Um, I also and think that I do not want... cancel culture yeah, doesn't well, we're not look gonna get into that. movies. Yeah, like, also, <laughs> I'm sorry, but, like, I don't want this movie to get remade. That No. Please, please, God, do not remake this movie. I am begging the producers, screenwriters out there. No, please, for the because I swear to God, if anybody talks about Caitlyn Jenner in a fucking like remake of this, I would have to riot. I'd have to. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not to the ground. Not about it. Anyways, but I do want to say that of course people who are actually LGBT should be cast in movies like this. Mm-hmm. However, this movie was made in 1996, and for the time, super progressive. Yeah, it's oh yeah, of and course. that's why I love it because it it has that progressive tone. Mm-hmm. Of course, like you said, without beating people over the head, and it shows how ridiculous some conservative policies are when it comes to like, controlling other people's lives. Yeah. Like, and I think that they use Starina as a great way to kind of tease the senator without being like, conservatives are stupid, but it's also like, dude, you have a fucking person in drag right in front of you and you can't even, like, you're, you're flirting with her, dude, like, come on, no, literally. pull your fucking head out your ass. I'm just thinking of the fucking abortion joke. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Oh my god. Um... Yeah, and anyways, back to Hank Azaria, though. So, his Azaria's role as the maid or house person, I don't know. I don't know what the hell his, like, official role is in this. He is essentially, like, their maid or butler or whatever. Um, was a relatively, like, smaller role in the beginning of filming. Um, but it was William's idea to expand his character within the film. And honestly, thank God that they did, because this movie definitely would not have been the same without all of the great one-liners from this character, such as... Come on, aren't you afraid of my watermelon-ness? Your what? My watermelon-ness, my natural heat. It's definitely giving me, like, Sofia Vergara in Modern Family. 
Now, the next character we probably won't talk about nearly as long because she's a central character to the plot, but she's kind of a side character in how they present her. Uh, we're talking about Barbara, of course. And the biggest thing about her character in this is that her age is kind of ambiguous and it bothers me. Because at first they say she's not even 18, but then she's like supposedly had met Val in college and had been together for over a year. And I, 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 maybe it's just to show how spaced out Senator yeah. Keeley is, and I'm hoping <clears throat> that that's the case. But we do actually get confirmation that she's 18 later in the film which is like um how did y'all meet what were you doing yeah because how they say that like oh she knew val for like a year so it's like if you're just 18 then like when did you guys you meet? were a how senior in high school yeah. you were a junior into yeah. your senior year anyways it's it's weird and i don't like it yeah uh, Callista Flockhart is supposed to be playing an 18-year-old, but she was literally 30 years old at the time of filming. And it's pretty apparent in the movie. She looks like a mom. Yeah. Like, she, I could maybe buy mid-20s. Maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But 30? I'm sorry, but 18? Like, just make them the same age. I don't understand, like, this shit yeah. with, like, making her younger. Yeah. It adds nothing to the story but me being like, Val, what the fuck were you doing at high school dances? <laughs> Like, seriously, yeah, I don't understand why they made that choice. Like, they could have said, like, they could have made them the same age, and it's it wouldn't have been that big of a deal. Like, it really wouldn't have been. But, anyways. They could have been out of college, too. The college shit doesn't get brought up either. Yeah, not really. So, like, Barbara is nice, and she shows that her family is not going to be accepting of Val's family. So, I understand why she thinks it's the better move to lie about his family and say that they're straight, but it's also causing so much unnecessary conflict. And I completely understand, like we said before, it's the 90s, and her father is a conservative senator, but still, this is your new family that you're marrying into. You should be honest. It's, like we said before, how are you expecting to go through an entire, like presumably and hopefully, a lifetime together without your family knowing that they're gay. I, I just... It, yeah. Whatever. Not only that they're gay, but that they're Jewish, too. Which, the fact that that's a problem was very... Like, I know that anti-Semitism exists, right? Mm-hmm. But I always picture it being, like, somewhere else, like, not in this country, which is very ignorant, ignorant of me. yeah. Yeah. And I, I'll acknowledge that I just... I've never grown up with anyone who was, like, blatant... Like, as a black person, it's always been like, oh, you're black. You know what I mean? And so it's like, and I haven't known a lot of Jewish people either. Like, I've known, like, a few here and there who grew up Jewish. But for, like, the Keelys to show up and have this interaction about the last name where it's Goldman, but Barbara said it was Coleman. Oh, oh, you're anti-Semitic and you're conservative? Like, how can you even manage, how, how do you get elected? Who's voting for you? I don't know. She does grow on me throughout the film, though, because her reactions are pretty funny. Like, seeing <laughs> seeing um, Albert come out and, like, helping her with her wig. and <laughs> Like, she tries to keep the facade up, too. I mean, <sighs> I don't know. I find her to be a pretty bland character, a pretty forgettable aspect of the movie. I mean, 
her and Val both are compared to fucking Nathan Lane. Well, of course, you know, they obviously like, like Robin Williams and Nathan Lane definitely like outshine the rest of the cast. Um, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's just like, I don't know. It, it, they could have played these characters with, I guess, a little bit more of something because they're, they're very plain. They're very plain to yeah. me. They're um, very childlike too. Like They're fucking, because they're children. <laughs> but like, they're supposed like, to be. <laughs> Well, no, because Val seems like he's pretty put together. You know, he Ugh. says he's 20. You know, he, he, he like, comes home in a suit, and I'm, I assume it's because he's a frat boy, but... What do you mean he and then, comes like, home in a suit? He's not wearing a suit? Yes, he is. He's wearing, like, a sports jacket when he comes home. That's not a fucking suit? I'm pretty sure that's what he's wearing in the first scene. He's wearing, like, a fucking, like, jacket and shirt. Like, he's not... You're making it sound like he showed up in a tie. Point is, Val's way too put together, and Barbara's like, Daddy? Like, bitch. (laughs) Okay, she did not say it like that. Come on. Come on now. Barbara's parents are infuriating, as, you know, many conservative, far-right people often are. But they're also unintentionally hilarious like gene hackman so are conservative people okay listen but no 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 no, no. like (laughs) even more so in this situation gene hackman kills it in this role absolutely perfect like uh, in the writing oh my god the writing for these the wittiness of this is just fucking hilarious the news the way the news sounds about these people too like it's dramatized, but it sounds like the news would yeah. sound. After everything happens with uh, Senator Keeley's uh, fucking, what was it, co-workers, fellow senator? He was another senator. Yeah. He was the co-sponsor of the coalition, though. Co-founder, I think. Whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, after everything that happens with that, like, the press, like, swarm their house. And something, like, just something that I find really funny about that scene when with all of the press surrounding their house so when senator keely is trying to like escape through his window after being cornered by the press he does the two peace sign nixon move as he leaves which and he does it out of like panic too he's just like okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) like bye senator keely is unintentionally hilarious but there are a couple lines that really like got under my skin when this mo- when I was watching this the first mm-hmm. time, namely the uh, quote, "Now the blacks will start." If you ever refer to black people as the blacks, unless their last name is Blacks or Black, stop and never talk again. Never. Don't. I swear to God, like it's black people. Capital B, all right? Or people who are black. Those are the only acceptable ways to refer to us, all right? It's one of my least favorite lines in this movie because it's not even funny. Like, it's, it's in the context, I suppose it could give you a chuckle. But just, like, the way he says it is, like, it's, that was one of the lines where it's like, oh, you're devoid of human emotion. It's you're for shock value. It, it's yeah. said because it's, like, yeah, no, that's something I can definitely imagine, like, some fucking dude, white guy in the 90s fucking saying after, like, some bullshit on TV. I can imagine fucking Ted Cruz or Ben yeah, Shapiro exactly. getting yeah, on exactly. a fucking you microphone being yeah. like, the blacks, 
hypothetically saying the blacks. That's something that I feel, yeah. <laughs> I fucking hate Ben Shapiro. Anyway, everything Keeley says, though, is fucking rehearsed, and it's so inauthentic. It's like he's a senator copy and paste of statements and apologies and how to deal with the press. And he's really bad at it. Like, I'm surprised he's been a senator, assumingly, for a long time. So now I guess to focus more on some of the funnier parts of this movie when it involves Senator Keeley, um, is we already kind of, like, made a reference to this before as a joke. Um, but it's when Senator Keeley goes into a long-ass monologue about traveling from Ohio to Florida and goes on about the changing weather and the trees and the hills and the mountains and the trees and the trees. And it's so boring. <laughs> and everybody's just like, like the just look, has this dead inside glazed over look. It's like it. they're leaning in waiting for like a punchline to happen. Yeah, and they're like looking at him and they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? And it's so good. It's just so good. Oh, my God. Oh, and then there's your favorite line. Jesus Christ. Okay, yeah, and I guess to, like, go back to, like, some of the shittier lines that fucking Senator Keeley says is uh, the line where he says to his wife, he tells that beige savage what to do in reference to Agador. And I'm... Was it in reference to Agador? Yeah. Yeah, they were oh. talking about... Yeah, exactly. Fuck. That was, I think I must have, like, missed that line a no. few times. Or, like, maybe I heard it and it just, like, went over my head for a second. But Jesus Yeah, there's, Christ. like, low-key casual racism in this. And it's, like, not even low-key. It's not even low-key. It's not key. even low-key. <laughs> it, it, but it's... Yeah, it's pretty... It, that was pretty fucking bad. Senator Keeley aside, who we'll probably talk about much more... I want to talk about Mrs. Keeley because she seems a lot more open-minded and also seems to have a lot of jealousy towards how the senator treats women when he's trying to be, like, diplomatic and shit. But her open-mindedness seems to be a trait that is held by women, yet she still has this judgmental streak and seems to more rely on implicit um, bias and microaggressions while the senator is, like, jokingly calling someone a slur or, like, talking about conspiracy theories on some Alex Jones shit. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frogs gay! Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. But, like, yeah, Mrs. Keeley is similar to Barbara, a very side character, but she has a few funny lines and is she's she's a very proper lady. And I mean, you can't hate her, but you're, she's also just kind of fucking boring. Yeah, and like listen, like as we were saying before, Diane Weist, like I think that's how you say it, Weist, um West, I'm not sure. Um she is great. She's great. Yeah. I love no, her. She's an amazing actress. Like, the, the first role that I think of that is, like, kind of similar to this one is her role in Edward Scissorhands. It's, like, oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's that kind of same, like, soft-spoken kind of mom vibe. She's, I definitely want to do Edward Scissorhands. Oh, God, that movie is so fucking Just for depressing. the aesthetic. No, it's so But the aesthetic of that movie is so wild. It's... Like, that has a dude, lot of, like... The colors. 60s. Yeah, the like, colors the color scheme. Yeah. Ugh. 
Next, we do want to talk about Catherine, who plays Val's mother, who is played by Christine Baranski. Um, She's... I'm sad that a lot of the women are kind of thrown to the side yeah. as far as characters yeah. in this movie because they are very funny actresses. They are yeah. talented actresses. But, you know, her storyline is just kind of makes me feel a little icky and yeah. it's kind of shoved in there. That's what she said. Um, and I, I'm trying to make sense of the fact that Val would want his biological mother to meet him right now. Like, that's a pretty big moment, dude. Maybe... And don't, like, double dip on the mom shit. Like, I understand he didn't know that, like, Albert was going to be there. Mm -hmm. Him telling Catherine to come is what ultimately, like, spoils this surprise. I mean, it would get spoiled anyway, but, yeah. And I'm also surprised that she even wants to help. Like, she has, I guess, this, like, innate, I guess instinct to help Val I don't think it's that. I think it's more guilt. That she hasn't been there the last 20 years. I think it's guilt more than anything but else. But that's what she agreed to. Also, I, I she think... She wanted the money. I think it's guilt and a mixture of like, oh, but Armand is like an old flame. Let me do something for Armand. Sort of a vibe. I think, honestly, it might even be more than Oh, she that. wants to do something it, for exactly, Armand. Exactly, exactly, though. And that's the thing. It, during the scene where Armand goes to visit her, she's like trying to seduce him and, you know, like, they're reminiscing about the good old days back when Armand wanted to, quote-unquote, try women for once and accidentally got Catherine pregnant. And it's kind of really awkward because while Armand is gay and Catherine knows this, it seems almost intimate the way that they're talking and dancing and touching one another all while Albert is in the waiting room waiting for Armand to come out for what seems like a pretty long time. Hey. Shut up. Oh, my God. To, to come out, get it? Cause okay, yeah. But it's okay. like, no, it's gross. It's like, why is she touching no, up no, on him no. like that? That's, it's, it's, it's definitely, it's giving me, like, Frankenfurter and Rocky Horror. Like, it's not. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Um, and I think that her scenes are supposed to allude Mm-mm. to, like, Armand being bisexual, which, like, that's completely fine. We don't actually get any confirmation. But it's, it is overall just kind of something to pad the runtime and, like, give more con... Like, this movie has, like, three types of conflict. There's conflict between Armand and Val. Conflict between Armand and Albert. There's conflict between the... Um, fucking Keeleys and like their reputation and it's there's there's too many conflict points which kind of like it feels like a play in that way I think but and it gets a little stacked but overall it's just a little too much to add on it also makes me mad when she refers to Val as our Val yeah she's done nothing for him and then it gets weird when she tries to seduce Armand so it's I'm not a fan of just the character. I think that this movie could have just stuck to the cross-dressing dad or mm-hmm. the, you know, the drag club or the gay dad. Like, stick to one of it. Don't You don't need all of that. Yeah, exactly. But this movie is very well written. And the way that they kind of introduce us to Armand and Albert is, like, it's it's... And the quality of these shows that they put on every, um, like, it seems like almost every night. And it's so well done that, like, 
<laughs> I like that it's so well done that, like, Armand doesn't need to keep being there to direct. Like, they know what they're doing. Like, yeah. all the people who are a part of it, they can perform without him. And I like the looks that Williams gives Starina during, like, that opening um, scene because it seems like one of actual love. Mm-hmm. Like, you see them fight and you see them be dramatic and you see them, you know. I would say it's more like... Albert is, it seems to me what 20 years of being with somebody turns into, where it's yeah. like, you know, somebody gets a little over dramatic about something and the other person mm-hmm. is just like, okay, you know, honey, all right. It just kind yeah. of vibes with it. They did such a good job with portraying a 20 year long relationship, you know? Absolutely. It's so good. And I, I like that their love is very genuine. Like, there's never a whole thing of, like, they're going to get a divorce, quote-unquote divorce, because it wasn't legal. But, like, there's never that feeling of, like, this is going to separate these two, even no. though they're fighting. Yeah. It's always, like, a very temporary, he's going to be mad, but he'll be back. And I just was thinking during that first scene that I would love to see this whole scene animated like Disney would do it. <laughs> like if it was the genie and Tombone. <laughs> Jesus. Oh my Christ. God. That would be the funniest shit. I do. One criticism that I will make about this film is that we never actually see Armand and Albert kiss or we don't see like a same sex kiss like that. To me, while this movie was progressive for the time in a lot of ways, that is something that I wish that we did see. And I think that it was something they intentionally didn't do because they didn't want to make... They didn't... They're like, this movie's, you know, about gay people, but it's not, like, super gay. You know what I mean? Like, it's, like... Yeah. It's something where you can almost come in and have a good laugh over, you know, gay people sort of a yeah. thing. And that's not okay. And it's like, oh, but you don't have to see the icky stuff. That's the kind of vibe mm-hmm. that that kind that gives me, and I wish that we did see, see more of that. You want to see more of that gay shit? Yeah, I want to see more of that gay shit. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. No, I I totally understand. Um, I think in a way it almost kind of showed a juxtaposition of the Keelys though, because it's like, oh, the Keelys are like been married forever but they're straight and they're boring and then these two have been married forever but they're not boring and they're not straight you know they're like exciting but they're still kind of you know stale after 20 years and I think that you know this kind of gives them a reason to be in love which I think that they show really well um but yeah it's it I just love their relationship overall in this movie Mm mm-hmm so Armand was being like kind of secretive about who he was meeting initially at the beginning of the film. And when D first watched this, he thought that this might've been his lover, but it was actually his son, which, you know, it wasn't just me though. It was written so that it seemed that way. It was, it was, it was written like that. It's kind of left ambiguous for the first like couple minutes because like even Albert thinks that Armand is like having an affair. I know. And I think that's partially why I thought it, because, like, he accuses Armand of being unfaithful. And then we see this younger... Yeah. I don't know, Dan Fetterman. And, like, they hugged, and he did kiss him, like, on... I think that he even did kiss him on the lips, actually. So, like, like, when I say that there wasn't, like, a same-sex, like, kiss, I mean more like, you know, an intimate one between... And Val kisses Albert, too. Yeah. He, like, you know, like, Albert's, like, give... 
think he calls himself Auntie. Auntie. Yeah. After we kind of meet all these characters and then we meet the Keeley family, like I've said, I fucking hate them. Um, I just hate their aesthetic. I hate their dynamic. I don't understand why they're wearing full outfits inside. I understand it might be cold because it's, you know, winter in Ohio. But, you know, wear a fucking hoodie and sweatpants. Be normal. Like, it's the 90s. It's, it's not the 1800s. It's a, Like, why is the mom wearing a scarf and cardigan? It's Get comfy, Diane. Get comfy, <laughs> Diane. That is not her name in the movie. Uh, um, and the, Oh, yeah, no, that's the actress's name. I don't even know if we know her first name. I think she's just known as Mrs. Keeley. No, he calls her by her first name at one point. I, I you know what? Yeah, he does. Um, it might be Elaine? That I, sounds funny. No, Elaine is the writer of the movie, sweetie. <laughs> Elaine May. Um, you got me there. Yeah, no, I think that the, they definitely made the costumes uh, for the characters like that on purpose, as, you know, they often do, because, mm-hmm. you know, costumes are a good way to let the audience know like what kind of person that they're viewing in a movie. Um, Mm -hmm. and the stiffness, the, you know, and especially actually, I don't think we've really even like touch on this at all, or we've like thought about touching on this, but, uh, the Keeley's maid, because they do have a maid, she's wearing a Mm -hmm. full on, like, like stereotypical maid outfit. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> you really like make this poor woman... Like the maid from Family woman, Guy? You, yeah, essentially. Like, you really make this poor woman dress in, like, this black outfit, traditional-looking apron and shit. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, whoa. I mean, maybe the house is really big, but it doesn't even look that big when we see it from the outside, so I don't but understand. But even like, so, it's like, why would you make somebody wear that outfit while they're working for you? I don't know. It's weird. And I, yeah, their their whole aesthetic is whack, especially when you see Albert and uh, Armand, because they're dripped out. They got fucking outfits on outfits throughout the and, day. And I definitely think that there's supposed to be that like contrast between the like, especially in regards to the maid, because I think that it was very purposeful that we did get a glimpse of the Keeley's maid, because in yeah. comparison to Agador, like <laughs> where he's wearing a G Agador a maid, or does Agador just stay with them and do some chores? I think it's more like, like I that. Think they... But it's like yeah. Agador is wearing a G string and a crop top while he's like r- taking leaves out of the pool and shit. Meanwhile, yeah. they have the Keeley's maid is dressed like she's from the fucking like 1800s. Like, if we ever have a maid, I want an Agador. I don't want whatever the Keeley's maid. What do you mean? I'm Agador. Just have me clean in a G-string. You're just gonna clean. You don't cook, but you clean. I'm Agador. I'm Agador. I got this ring. I'm dead as Agador, though. Like, he doesn't... Okay, anyways. Can you cook? Your father father seems seems to think so. so. (laughs) (laughs) Yo. (laughs) (laughs) But when Albert hears about Val's engagement, he does remind me of my mom when she looks through, like, all my baby pictures. Because my mom will do that. And just start crying. And I'm 20 years old. Like, I'm Val's age. Like, like damn. Like, it wasn't that long ago. Like, get over... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Get over you, it. But, 
And speaking of mothers, though, like, Barbie and Val try to engage in this little plot, and she tries telling... That's what they call her in the movie. They call her Barbie. They do? Throughout the movie. Yeah. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Um, she does try telling her mom, at like, before the scandal breaks yeah, out. Yeah, I guess. Showing that the mom is probably more open-minded, but then, like, the mom says that great white wedding. Ugh. And then there's, of course, the anti-Semitic shit. But I wanted to highlight Nathan Lane as just the most amazing choice for this role as far as, like, writing. Because, like, he's a great actor and a great performer. And then, like, having Nathan as Starina and how she's such a diva and, like, the star of the show. And having Robin Williams helping the backup dancer for Starina is just the greatest scene. You do an eclectic celebration of the dance. You do fussy, fussy, fussy. You do Martha Graham, Martha Graham, Martha Graham. Or Twyla, Twyla, Twyla. Or Michael Kidd, Michael Kidd, Michael Kidd, Michael Kidd. Or Madonna, Madonna, Madonna. But you keep it all inside. All right, just work on that. I'll be right back. It's looking wonderful, though. I do want to say that Barbara is the reason why all of the events of the movie happens. She is the one who tells her family that Armand is a cultural attache from Greece, which by the way, what the fuck is that? It just it's, means it's a bit of a I, diplomat, I don't know. really. <laughs> but the thing is that like he's an art tr- artist like in a way, like he's supposed I mean, yeah. to be like, like a cultural at- That's the thing is that people who are cultured tend to be more liberal so like i don't know why barbara was like yeah cultural attache to greece to greece you didn't think there'd be some gay shit in greece i mean or maybe she knew there's some gay shit there and so that's why she picked it but fucking hell panicked i think she just panicked (laughs) because she's 18 years old and doesn't know shit (laughs) Because she literally tells Ugh. her parents, yeah, and then, you know, like, they they uh, have a place in South Beach, and, you know, they were there uh, before yeah. everybody else started going there, and now they're, you know, it's like, she literally makes up this convoluted nonsense story, and then Val and, hears this, and yeah. he's like, fuck, what am I gonna do, basically, and then that's, like, the... <laughs> The whole events of the movie start because she was just too afraid to tell her parents the truth. And because, especially because she is having that conversation with them before the scandal even broke. It was the night before that the scandal broke. So she had no reason other than the fact that she was scared to not tell her parents the truth. And that that Mm -hmm. just pissed me off, bro. And the line when Val kind of brings Armand into this, like, convoluted story that Armand said to him yes i wear a foundation yes i live with a man yes i'm a middle-aged fag but i know who i am val took me 20 years to get here and i'm not gonna let some idiot senator destroy that fuck the senator i don't give a damn what he thinks when he says that like it's 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 hard bro like that line was like oh shit that's deep Mm -hmm. and you know later on after armand like agrees to kind of you know put on this show for these people he says to val do me a favor and don't talk to me for a while 
And it really hurts to watch that moment because this is a comedy film, but at the same time, it deals with very real issues that those in the LGBT community had to deal with and still have to deal with. You know, I touched on this a bit before, but like having to hide your identity or pretend to be someone you're not, either for your own safety or for the comfort of others, is something that people in the LGBT community have to do a lot, especially like when you're younger, but you know, also in mm -hmm. situations like this, where it's like you have to do it because it's unfortunately the safer or better choice in that moment based on the people that you are around. Yeah. And it sucks. Yeah. It really fucking sucks. And that's yeah, why yeah, I really dislike Val for doing this to his parents. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just hurtful to watch because it shows that, as I stated earlier, Val is putting the comfort of someone who is privileged above his own fathers and it's it's not that surprising because val has that same privilege the thing about being a white straight male even if you're raised by two gay men is that you are still going into the world as a straight white man which there's nothing wrong with being straight or white but there is privilege along with that and so when when val goes out into the world he doesn't have to carry his fathers on his shoulders when they go out into the world as lovers and as partners, that's dangerous to them. And so he's bringing people into his life and into his parents' lives that are like, nah, fuck that. And has the nerve to ask them to change? Mm -hmm. To ask his parents to change? Like, bro, they have literally made like the American dream a reality. They have a small business that's a safe haven to others like them. They're dramatic, yeah. But Senator Keeley is a is a motherfucker who's literally trying to hurt people like his fathers. Mm -hmm. Like the Coalition for Moral Order is literally against gay marriage, like the Republican Party is to this fucking day. Mm -hmm. And so it's like for Val to like be like, oh no, you have to change. Like I'm gonna be honest. Like if my family was like Barbara's family, I'd be fucking embarrassed. Yeah. I'd yeah. be embarrassed that someone is so ignorant. Mm -hmm. Like I reg like, and that's just me. Like I call out family members on the regular, and I'm not scared of them. Cause one, I'm grown now. Yeah. Two, like the worst we can do is disagree, and we're still family. If your family's so immature that they like cut you out, you know that's that's their issue. Yeah. And so to see like Armand and how sad he is over contemplating to do something for him, it shows how much he loves Val more than he even cares about his own pride, which is something a real parent does. But it's a sad reality that he has to face, and I'm glad that we get to see that, and that he resents Val for it, for making it a choice that he has to make. It's, it's just some fuck shit, honestly. <sighs> yeah, and I guess, I mean, you know, on kind of a lighter note than that um going back to the cultural attache for greece thing so when they're redecorating the apartment and shit they take out like the greek and roman looking statues and uh like artifacts i guess that they have around in the apartment because it's just too gay i guess i don't know like it's like a, it has a penis out oh too gay literally but, that's literally the reason if yeah. it has a penis which most of it does yeah but the thing is is that wouldn't it make sense that a cultural attache for greece 
have Greek artwork and statues around his house. Like, there's a statue of Neptune that he has that would make total sense to keep in the apartment. And I just don't understand why. But there's also that little, like, side table thing that has a boner and then, like, just a dump truck of an ass. <laughs> like, when Val tries to flip it around, it's like, dick. Oh, damn but it. But he's oh, an fuck. artist. Okay. He's supposed to have that around the house. <laughs> like, I just don't understand why they had to remove so many but things. But when you're a straight artist, you don't like penises. Okay, sure. Everything's a penis when you're a straight man. Letting another man feed you? No, that's gay. Hugging your homies? Gay. Okay. It's gay. Mm -hmm. Straws? That's a penis. Too phallic. Gay. That's a penis. <laughs> this, Being a straight man is exhausting. The microphone that you're speaking into, baby, it's a penis. You're Honey, gay. I literally have my microphone upside down. I'm done. Couldn't do it. One of the peak moments with... Uh, Agador is when he's in a thong while Armand and Val are stressing about the looming night. It, it's just, it's everything that I need out of this movie. The way that Armand says, we thought it'd be better that you weren't here to Albert, you can just tell that he has so much resentment and then he's being put into this super uncomfortable situation by Val. And Val just kind of looks at Albert like, well, yeah... We, we, we did think that. And it's fucked yeah. up because I don't think that Armand... No, he didn't believe that at all. He just said that for Val's benefit, basically. You yeah, know? it's kind of like... It's kind of like when uh, you forget to do something, but then, like, one of your parents is like, oh, we forgot. You know, yeah, like, right? takes on a bit of it for you. Yeah. And, and this moment is one of the first times that Albert's reaction isn't super dramatic and, like, screaming yeah. and the silence seems to stand out a lot more I, i'm glad that albert doesn't let them feel easy about asking him to leave because they deserve some anger and hurt from him there's nothing wrong with albert he's himself plus when he leaves you know the way that he naturally is does come back which is nice but it's very sad that Throughout this movie, he's told multiple times that he has to be someone for Val, even though that Val gets to be himself. And the Keeleys, once again, like I said earlier, get to be themselves, even though they are pieces of absolute shit. Yeah, exactly. And while they're pieces of shit, every section with the Keeleys seems to prove it more and more. Their lack of emotion for his colleague and his crimes and death shows just how corrupt and trash Senator Keeley is. And, like, sure, the last scene gives him, like, a minor <laughs> redemption, but it's not, not worth it. But the yeah, thing is, is that it didn't because he only, that was his, he was cornered in their apartment. He knew that if he stepped outside, that he would just be faced with all of these fucking reporters being like, why are you at this basically like this drag show why are you above a drag show you know what i mean they would be mm -hmm. asking him all these questions and he's a coward yeah. we already saw mm -hmm. that earlier in the film so he this was his only option to be able to get yeah. out of there unnoticed and the fact that he was willing to resort to dressing in head to toe full drag to get out of there to avoid 
being spoken to by the reporters just kind of goes to show that he cares more about his reputation than he does mm-hmm. about like anything else really because it's like he could have very just as easily went out there and be like oh well my daughter barbara is here we're visiting you know the in-laws basically um but no he decided to dress in a full drag yeah. like what <laughs> and i, I want to talk about the way that the writing is for a comedy it's so amazing especially because it does well to establish serious and hilarious moments which i think is very rare especially with like comedy since 2012 has been just joke after joke after joke mm-hmm. after joke and it just kind of hits the point and very few comedies nowadays i find hit serious moments the way this does um, yeah i think it's more common in uh comedy shows because they have more time to develop you know general mm-hmm. characters and exposition but this movie does it masterfully and i think one of the best scenes that shows this is when armand and albert sign the palimony agreement and it's it just breaks up the two halves of this movie perfectly and the line that uh robin williams says just like really gets my heart it really gets my heart your heart um when he when he says uh there we're partners you own half of my life and i own half of yours which like not actually how they see it i don't think i think it's no. just like well because that we, i'm sorry i don't mean to interrupt your point but i no it's fine i i think that what albert says right afterwards he's like well i don't want it like he, it was never about you know who owns what it's just about mm-hmm. like he wants something he wants like that I guess confirmation from Armand that they're together for the for the long right. run, even though they've been together for twenty years. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that this works so well for the time that this movie takes place mm-hmm. because of the fact that people couldn't get married if they were gay, and so yeah. this legally binding thing that says like you own half of the thing that we've put together together yeah. mm-hmm. um, is as close as they could get and. You know, I think if this movie was made today, maybe they would, like, get married or, like, renew vows or something. But, you know, I think this, for me, it just kind of feels a little extra special, especially just how the scene, like, looks, too. Yeah. I liked that scene just based on, like, a, I guess, aesthetic Mm -hmm. standpoint. Because the the use of colors in that scene was very nice. It was very soft. And that's how the scene felt in general, just soft, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Um, what you said about comedies though, I definitely, I agree with you on that where it seems like a lot of comedy movies, it's just like everything is set up and in my opinion, a lot of it relies on kind of like more raunchy humor. If like that kind of makes sense, not a lot of movie, not a lot of comedy movies, but like, I don't know when I think of like Seth Rogen or something Mm -hmm. and like, you know, his movies. It's kind of, yeah. it's more based on more, like, raunchy humor and shit. And yeah. it's, like... Like, Superbad has a few serious moments, well, but yeah. they're kind of light-hearted seriousness. Exactly. Not, exactly. Yeah. And it's, like, I like the wittiness of this movie. It's a comedy, but it's also just incredibly witty. The jokes are mm-hmm. so fast. It's kind of like Clue in that way, you know? Like, where it's, like, it kind of takes a second, because first time watching it, you may miss, like, a bunch of jokes. 
Second time watching it, you may catch on and be like, oh shit, that went right over my head. The first, You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like that kind of vibe. I think the fact that we actually get a scene with Armand telling Val that he chooses Albert over this fucking plan mm-hmm. um, is another highlight. I think that Albert and Armand's relationship is like one of the best examples of writing in this whole movie. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's very well played by the actors, Um, especially when Albert walks in, you know, quote unquote, straight looking and does that little walk and sit down and like crosses his legs, but then has to stop himself. Cause like, I love his character so much. And I, I hate, I feel this scene because I can see how much he's struggling to keep this persona and just how all for Val to st- exactly and Val still hates the idea like yeah Albert is showing effort and showing that he's willing to make himself quote unquote pass and mm-hmm. you know the pain that Albert feels about it just makes me want to fuck up Val honestly like yeah just fucking hit him <laughs> the whole time because like while they're watching Albert try to sit down and stuff, they're, like, both cringing, you know what I mean? As if it's painful to watch Albert. And I understand it's a comedic moment where, like, oh, his socks are bright fucking pink. And, you know, like, it's supposed to be yeah. funny. But at this, it, but I guess, like, like I mentioned before, I'm looking at it more of, like, okay, what are the deeper layers to this, though? Mm-hmm. Because on the surface, yeah, obviously, just a comedy We're movie. We're definitely overanalyzing this comedy. <laughs> Listen, but no. Like, I mean, perhaps, but, but the thing is though, is that like, for me, I, I almost feel like I have to because Mm -hmm. it's an LG, it's a very like, I mean, for me, it's pretty underrated. Like, you know, a lot of people don't seem to know about it, I guess. It's one of like Robin Williams, like lesser known films, I should say. Um, Oh, absolutely. yeah. Yeah. And so like. But at the same time, it's it's a very it's it's a well known LGBT film, especially one that was made kind of early on, and so to mm-hmm. me, it it's special because of that reason. And I almost want to like dig at this and kind of get to like the root and like you know analyze how Albert must be feeling because it's important to me. You know, it's yeah. I don't know like how else to phrase that other than it's important to me. Yeah, and I mean, I love this movie, so I I can totally understand. Um, And I think it just holds up super well. On a lighter note, I do want to say that Albert's entrance as Armand's quote-unquote, like, wife in the full, like, Barbara (laughs) Bush-style outfit is the fucking best entrance I've ever seen in a movie. The look on Robin Williams' face was priceless he's I just literally used the clip of his face like eight times in our trailer that we made oh like my God, it's so good. just because it's such a good like it's so quick but it's just he's just so you know, panicked <laughs> he's just like yeah. oh my god we're done we're fucked. because to him he's like that's 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 my that's my husband. That's my partner. They're going like, to see right through yeah. this because I see right through it. And exactly. Val's thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing 
Because and... Barbara does too. Barbara's like, oh my god. But like Well, because Barbara knows that they're fucking gay. <laughs> so she sees fucking Albert in full drag and she's like, Dude, oh no. You know what? I, wait, actually. Literally, I was just about to say the perfect se- like sound over for that is the oh no. Because it's so good. He's he, like, because Albert walks in and they're like, hello, I'm so sorry I'm late. Blah, blah, and like, they're just, <gasps> it's the best. It's the best. I love how Senator Keeley's first assumption when uh, Catherine shows up, though, is, oh, you're a polygamist. <laughs> like, I don't he's think like, so. how many? Well, because he asks, how many mothers does Val have? It's not, I don't, <laughs> and he's like, I don't think it was that. I think it was a sarcastic comment because I think what he originally assumed was, was that he was like keeping a mistress or something. You know, I think it was that. But because I mean, based that, on is context clue. that is essentially polygamy no it's it's no 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 it's different baby whatever anyways just because you're from utah okay (laughs) so throughout the dinner scenes the conversation starts to turn over into like right-wing bs conversations about like in school prayer abortions and how women should stay home and take care of their men like gays in the military and like Senator Keeley is eating up whatever Albert says and is absolutely loving it. Like you like, you mentioned this before, I think, but he's flirting with her. Like it literally to the point where Mrs. Yeah. Keeley is like getting visibly jealous. Oh yeah. No, like Mrs. Keeley is about to fight fucking Albert. Like, <laughs> and my favorite thing is that, Albert's definitely making fun of them. Of course! Like, yeah. she's saying everything that, like, would be said on a fucking Fox News network type. I mean, I don't think Fox News was the same in the 90s. I think maybe there was a different news media, or maybe it was more local news that people listened to. But I think that these are definitely talking points that Albert's probably heard, like, his whole life. Yeah, I, I mean, like... Probably, most likely. She does say at one point, though, um, after, you know, they discover that, like, he's, you know, a man, whatever, um, that, like, oh, I I believed in everything that I was saying to you and blah, 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 blah. I think maybe to a certain extent, because the thing was is that she wasn't really agreeing with Senator Keeley so much that she was, like... How should I say? Like, she was like, like the abortion line that she's. I I I I don't think so, honey. You don't, don't think so? No, I think that that's more of a line to kind of soften the blow, especially because he's like Senator Keeley's mind is like, I just danced with this person, like had dinner with this person, was showing obvious signs of I wouldn't say like attraction, but no, like, but like vibes, you know, like we're we're yeah. vibing. <laughs> They they had a vibe check. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ. And so kind of softening that blow of, it's okay. I'm still me, just with a tiny difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we don't, get, we don't need to do the whole line again. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but the abortion topic is just, uh, that was the, probably that the one line he, that I, I lost it. 
Oh my god, you I think we had to pause the movie because you just Yeah, you I had were, to get up. I yeah, had to get you, out of my Yeah. Like, I was laying in bed watching this and I had to physically move. That was It's the yeah. black in me. We we have mm-hmm. to like run around when we laugh too hard. Yeah. It's just Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But after the abortion line, I mean, it pretty much goes it get the ending of this movie comes pretty quick yeah. and the reveal of Albert after Catherine arrives is the only redeeming moment for Val and it lasts about 2 seconds. Like it's not yeah. it's just like this is my mother. Cool. Cool. Bye. Like no, I want I want more. Like it this ends kind of like how a play would where they just kind of yes. come clean and they're mm-hmm. like, "All right, we got to we got to move on to something else because I just well, I mean, it was based off of a play, so I mean, we got to I, I know. It, That's know. why I say that, yeah. you know, because I know what it's based off of. And it shortens the movie and gives Barb a chance to stand up to her family. But in reality, she she tries but doesn't too much. Because, yeah. like, this is, this is a line where I... This is a part of the movie where I can see, like, Armand standing up to Kiwi. Mm-hmm. Or Val standing up to Kiwi. And being Somebody. like, no, look. Exactly. Like, that's the thing that I think really gets to me, is that nobody stands up to this bitch. Keely's just hateful and ignorant this whole movie and doesn't get educated. Like, we assume that he kind of comes around. Yeah. But he, like, I want to see Val, like, be like, look, bro, like, <laughs> I don't let you come in my house and talk reckless this whole night about my family. Mm-hmm. But if your daughter wants to stay here, she don't got to go back with you. Fuck your reputation. Fuck your old looking wife. Fuck your bald spot. Hey. Fuck your suit. Fuck your... No, but I... Not, I don't think it needs to be that extreme. But I do think that Val should have, like, stood up to him and been like... Like, she doesn't need to go with you. Like, no, not we even accept that. her e- even though you won't accept us as a family. Okay. I think that could have been it. And, you know, just... cut. Just another, like, five lines of dialogue to acknowledge kind of the hateful nature of the Keeleys would have made me a little bit happier. Yeah, I mean, again, I feel like the problem with that is that it would just make it a bit too serious, which, again, I think that in this moment, right when they, you know, like, found out that they were gay and owned the drag club... I think it would have been the perfect moment to add more seriousness to the movie. And, you know, I, I definitely think that two things should have happened. One, Val had a bigger redemption and actually, like, proved that he loves Albert and, you know, considers him a parent. Um, more so than he did because he, he barely acknowledged it. And two, have Barbara actually stand down and be like, no, I'm not leaving. And I know you basically said the same thing, but it's like, if those two things happened, number one, these characters would have been a lot more interesting to me, I guess. And I would have cared about them a little bit more if they had done that. Because both of these kids were doing shit... Like, they were both... One was lying to her parents. The other one was forcing his parents to go through essentially kind of like a trauma you know like they had to pretend to be something that they're not and so it's like they're not likable characters in my opinion so 
they should they just should have had a much much bigger redemption than than they did once we get past all the shitty parts and the homophobia and we get kind of back into the comedy this drag show does kind of give you a good feeling um moment i guess to finish this movie out where it shows their ability to come together. Um, and it, it just shows that the writers really knew what they were doing from start to finish. Like, you can see the decisions and how they're made. And it redeems a lot of my personal issues with the movie, especially when you see the craziness of the wedding. Mm-hmm. And I am also glad that they <clears throat> see that we see kind of a fusion of Jewish and Christian traditions at the wedding, because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, I grew up with a lot of you know LDS people and I think a major assumption with them is that, like, someone's getting kicked out or entering the church if you marry into a family mm-hmm. like that. And that's not something I think people should be required to do. I think that, like, I'm as a non-religious person, I'm like, fuck it. But, you know, mm-hmm. I think that people should be able to just practice what they want or not practice. Hot take. So. <laughs> I know. <laughs> do what you want. David Bros. (laughs) Thanks for coming to my diet time. Like that fucking meme. I don't know if we mentioned this before, but the Keeleys are supposed to be staying with Jeb Bush's family um, while they're in Florida. And I would pay so much money to see the look on Jeb Bush's face when they all pulled up to his house in full drag. That would have just been... It would have been better than Armand's face when... Uh, Albert walked in in full drag. Honestly. Yes. Just 100%. All, all I can think of... I know nothing about Jeb Bush as, like, a politician. Um, I know that he ran for president. And I know that, like, at one point during his campaign, he was like, please clap. <laughs> I, I remember felt, that video going yeah. around. I felt and really... I, bad for him because he seems to be the one bush that like could never do anything right i don't again i don't really know much about him either but just to me it seems like he's like that black sheep of the family you know he looks like the smarter bush too well yeah probably but like (laughs) it was just so pitiful like please clap (laughs) yeah i know i hope jeb bush is having an Okay, day. I mean, we have, you know what, for a politician... He doesn't need to have a good day. If he, <laughs> for politicians, I feel like if we don't hear their name in the news, then, like, they're probably kind of decent, you know what I mean? Because it's like... Uh... Not, okay, that's, uh, maybe that's too big of a statement, but, like, I don't know. So we want to take some time now to talk about the writer and the director of this movie, as well as some choices made with the cinematography... As mentioned before, writer Elaine May and director Mike Nichols were an extremely influential improv comedy duo from the 1950s and 60s. The Birdcage was their long-awaited first movie collaboration, as they have never done a movie from first to last together. They had wanted to do this project for almost 15 years because they just thought that La Cage à Folle was such a great story with a wonderful ending. And they were right. Like, this movie is hysterical because two of the most leading OGs of comedy were behind it. And I just wanted to make sure that we took a moment to discuss their work. One of their best shots in this movie is the very first. Because when the movie opens up with We Are Family playing over this two-minute unbroken tracking shot over the ocean, 
to like inside this nightclub. Um, it's it's edited to look unbroken, but it's actually three different shots. And the first one is, of course, is that helicopter shot that ends over um, so- Miami South Beach area over the street. The second one is with the steady cam operator being lowered to the ground before walking across the street. And finally, the last shot is inside of the birdcage and was filmed on a soundstage. And the reason why we mention these shots specifically is because Caster is just so in love with unbroken shots. I personally also love them, especially in action movies. And this one is especially good because the movie cinematographer was Emmanuel Lubezki, who was a three-time Oscar winner behind Gravity, Birdman, and The Revenant, so like you know this movie's well shot like yeah i swear to god i any any movie that doesn't a good unbroken shot for a scene immediately gets like five like five percent better every time it does it Mm -hmm. but it has to be good because you see some shitty ones sometimes but like this one was an example john that's why i like john wick because they do like a lot of unbroken because it's like you have to choreograph that it takes skill it takes a lot of skill Mm -hmm. from the actors from the cinematographer it's just from literally everyone involved editing yeah literally everybody involved you have to be like on top of that shit and it's just ooh, so good i just love or of course you have to use certain cameras i think it's in a black panther yeah the casino fight scene Mm -hmm. is like unbroken yes and they have to add special effects because like yeah. Chadwick Boseman, R.I.P., couldn't jump from the bottom floor of that casino to the top floor. Maybe he could. I know. So what I found really interesting about researching this film was that I found out that Mike Nichols actually allowed uh, Robin Williams and Nathan Lane to shoot scenes twice. Um, one, because he wanted them to stick to just the regular script. Like, that was kind of their rule. Were, was that they had to do it by the script, and then he was like, okay, now you guys can just do it and add what it, in whatever you wanted. And obviously, like, you know, you kind of had to pick and choose, like, what was going to, you know, go in and what wasn't going to go in in terms of, like, their ad-libs, but, like, a decent amount got into the movie, and most of the time mm-hmm. when he let them do that, he just had to, like kind of suppress the fact that he was cracking up like they had to throw well, they had to yeah, yeah they had to cover him with blankets, <laughs> with blankets. and put him in the other room <laughs> yeah because he was laughing scenes. so hard it was the scene um with albert doing the uh john wayne walk yeah and the in the the schmear <laughs> yeah we got the a schmear. <laughs> yeah that he was like i'm done i'm done he and he had to literally walk out with a blanket on his head and that's Oh, so great. Um, Something else that I found really cool about, you know, this film is, you know me and colors in film. Um, There's a stark difference between the different scenes in terms of set design and the clothing that they wear, depending on, like, who we're seeing. So Armand's place is colorful and open, and they wear bright, colorful clothing, and Keeley's house is bland, and they're wearing such muted and just kind of neutral cloth- uh, colors. And again, at the end of the movie, both sides of the aisle are staring at each other. 
Um, and Barbara's side is all dressed in dark, muted tones. Almost look like they're at a fucking funeral or something. And Val's side, they're all yeah. wearing bright, vibrant colors. Lots of the, mm-hmm. you know, drag queens are there. And it's just... They use that a lot in movies to kind of, I think mm-hmm. I may have talked talked about this before, but it's like they use costumes as a way of like telling the audience something about this person's character kind of right off the bat, especially mm-hmm. in movies like this. Exactly. And I just love picking up on that, I guess, because yeah. colors are really and important think, in film. And I think that's especially important in a movie that features people who are cross-dressing, people who are LGBT. I think yeah. color is especially important mm-hmm. because... Kind of like I talked about the palimony um, scene earlier, but you don't need to do the same binary blue for boy mm-hmm. per, or pink for you know women shit that a lot of movies do. I mean, Rocky Horror, like we've talked about yeah. in the past. Um, but they use pink and blues together, and it almost kind of represents this androgyny that is super persistent throughout the movie. You know, mixing those two colors together really shows kind of the energies that Armand and Albert both really bring to their relationship because objectively, when you see Armand, you can say that maybe he's the more masculine of the two. Mm -hmm. And the way that Albert's mannerisms are, he's definitely a little bit more um, effeminate. But they're together, and they love each other. And so having that scene where they are confirming their union and their love for each other be so pastel and bright and have both pink and blue in it is just like i noticed it as soon as we saw and i was like i love this like it just drew my eye really well yeah and like i said before it's soft like i just that scene is very soft fun fact um after seeing this movie the very first time with caster wasn't for the podcast um, I referenced this movie and cited it in a paper uh, that was about how romantic comedies enforce monogamous, heterosexual, and monoracial couples. Uh, the point was about how even though this rom-com is about a gay couple, one of which who cross-dresses, the implication still had Armand as a passing quote-unquote gay man and Albert as, you know, effeminate and woman-like, and it's similar to the idea that even in gay couples, one has to be, quote, the man, and one has to be the woman, which is based in overt comparison of homosexuality in terms of heterosexuality, but in other words, gender is a construct, let's destroy it. Uh, As far as the actual way that the film ended in the pacing, I feel like it is a little fast. Mm -hmm. I think it goes, like super quickly from the moment Catherine knocks on the door to when the wedding happens. But it's it's such a good overall movie. Mm-hmm. And while it is a little long, it doesn't feel that way. This feels like a quick movie um, yeah. because of the pacing and because yeah. you're probably in pain laughing so much. My main downfall with the ending, as I discussed earlier, is the lack of Albert's acceptance. And I wanted a moment where Val gets mad at Albert and Armand one too many times and one of them puts him in his fucking place. I wanted Albert to tell him, I've loved you your whole life. And you grow up and you can't do the same. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. come on, like, get over yourself. And I wanted Val's love for Albert to be revealed from realizing that not only is he wrong and, you know, 
about what he's doing, but he's wrong about the way he's been treating Albert even before this shit with the Keelys. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't want it to just be because the movie says he feels bad or like it's mm -hmm. just a plot point. I want to feel that moment because that's really um, a moment that needs to be earned and I don't feel like it was. But overall, it's a fucking amazing movie. I love it. It's mm -hmm. a must watch, I think. If you like movies, you need to see this one. Yeah, and in my opinion, Val does not deserve the supposed redemption that he receives by Albert and Armand in this movie. And I understand that it's their child, so obviously they love him unconditionally, but Val proves in this movie that he's not fully accepting of his parents and is actually very ashamed of them, which is something that is upsetting to see play out in what is otherwise such a great film. And I agree with Dee that the ending does feel a bit rushed, but... Honestly, I like the build-up to the comedic hijinks of the dinner scene and the establishment of Albert and Armand's relationship more than I did watching Val's wedding or even them dancing to We Are Family and all drag at the end. I wanted more of a family feel to the ending and more specifically a better bond between them. Um, yeah, totally. And, and honestly, I feel like the movie should have just ended with the lady not for a million dollars outside of the club um, because, yeah. like... Overall, this movie is such a great and hilarious LGBT plus film, and Nichols, May, Williams, and Lane did such an amazing job with the execution of it, and this movie was introduced to me by my mom when I was younger, and it's honestly been one of my favorites ever since. It's genuinely funny and heartfelt, and not because of Val, but because these two men genuinely love each other. Yeah. I have to really agree about, you know, it ending at the not for a million yeah. dollars line and like them mm -hmm. driving off because the wedding kind of puts this assumption that Keely has like came around. Yeah. And I don't think that that's, that's not deserved I, that doesn't either. That doesn't, yeah. that's not deserved either in my opinion. But you know, I mean, it did a good job for, I guess the time. You know, and I guess we yeah, have to no, leave it at for, that. I, I can acknowledge that we are definitely overanalyzing and we're putting this movie into a modern context. Yeah. Whatever critique people are going to have of this, which, I mean, who cares? Yeah. Um, but we, we understand that. But yeah. that's what this podcast is about, is we're looking at it from our lenses. We're fucking two Gen Zers. No, who, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. You're Gen Z, baby. I'm a I'm I'm a late millennial. No. I'm a, not even close. I'm a millennizy. <laughs> <laughs> After looking at everything, I ended up giving this movie three point five stars. The only things that really kind of fell off for me are that the plot is very good. It's very fun. However, I have to bring into consideration that it's based off of another form of media, which all, always just kind of demotes something for me. Movie versions of plays, I, I, I'm not a fan of the idea just because it's like... Pretentious. Why? Um, I know, I'm very pretentious. Uh, the directing, while it was good, wasn't anything impressive, you know, so I have to also kind of demote it on that. And the writing also just kind of because of how rushed the ending was. The ending itself is like a five out of five for me because of like what happens. But the writing was just kind of more like, so you eh. mean like the last half of the movie in the in the sense of like 
after, like, when they get there, or... No, no, I just mean, like, the end, like, just from the moment, like I said earlier, that um, Val's biological mom enters the movie um, to, like, the last, you know, shot, all of that just feels too quick. That's what, like, I demoted as writing, an issue with the writing. So, yeah, like, it's still a great movie. I mean, I gave Halloween and a lot... A lot of movies lay in the 3.5 star range for me because, like, that's, that's such my a favorite movies. Rating. And, <laughs> yeah. And it's all... And that, I mean, it's when it's out of five, it's very easy to kind of get into that middle range a lot easier. Yeah. So. For me, I um, gave this movie a four. And um, I think... The biggest issue for me, of course, is how Val treats his parents. It, it took a lot. It just, I guess, coming from, you know, someone who's in the LGBT community, it makes me very mad and it frustrates me that um, that somebody, you know, could treat somebody who is their parent like that. Um, and that's what, you know, I guess, like, writing-wise, it could have been done a little bit better, um, but otherwise this movie, I love it. I love this movie. And, you know, while, you know, we definitely did overanalyze certain aspects to it. I think that overall still holds up. I mean, yeah, of course there are some parts that are questionable, but I think it still holds up as a pretty damn good movie. But yeah, I think that's all. We'll see you all next time. Thanks. If you want to interact with us and stay updated on all things Pop Ticket, visit our website, popticketpod.com, and go to the Contact Us page to see all our social media. If you would like to help support Pop Ticket, you can donate to us by going to our website and clicking Donate to find our Patreon. Or you're able to donate from our homepage on our host website on Anchor. If you enjoy listening, another way to help Pop Ticket is to leave us good reviews and follow us on whatever platform you use, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you can even subscribe to us and like the videos on YouTube. We appreciate any and all support. Thank you so much for listening. Music created by Mark E. Beats. You can find him on SoundCloud or on Instagram at Mark underscore Daniels 3. Our art logo was created by at Lil underscore Draws Art on Twitter. Pop Ticket was created by Castor and D Bros and is edited by D Bros.